And another week grinds to a halt. Bob McCowan, John Shannon with you. <laughs> you make it sound arduous, Bob. Come on. But, yeah, and you know, the truth of the matter is that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, Saturday, Sunday, they're all kind of the same day, really. Uh, I know there are people out there working and doing normal things, but yep. a lot of us are not living in a normal world, really. I'll tell you what, though, I, I, you know, the, I, I've been driving on the freeways the last few days. We're almost back to pre-pandemic traffic again. Oh, it is horrible. I know. I was driving. Well, you and I saw each other. Uh, John and I met at uh, my new abode because I had to drop off food for um, for John and Mickey. Oh, no, no. Come on. That's in fairness for, for <laughs> Kevin and Lucy. Lucy. Kevin and Lucy. You're telling, by me, the you're way, gonna, you're telling me you're not going to dig into that bag every now and again and have a little know. kibble. The, I tell you what, the ingredients sound pretty darn good. They're pretty good. Yeah. But I'll tell you, Kevin and Lucy are waiting for the interview. So, yeah, well, coming up. Um, and so I drove out there today. I, and you know, you know what? Across my mind, I think we should have Tory on the mayor of Toronto and tell him, all right, no more expansion, no more condos, no building, <laughs> no, no more, don't build any more houses, don't build any more oh, condos. Yeah. When they're all full, you put up a sign and no and vacancy, full. Toronto <laughs> is full. Enough but already. But you know what that all will do? That just means our actually our house prices would go up again. That's not a bad idea, Bob. Well, I don't care about house <laughs> prices. I mean, you can't go anywhere in this oh, city. I know. Yeah. Well, and that's the downside of the pandemic. Public transit is not people aren't near as attracted to public transit either. So yeah, you know, you want to be LA? Do you want to be Los Angeles? No, two and no, a half, I don't. That's hours to get that's somewhere. I'm, compl I'm complaining about. And look at all the highways they have in LA. Yeah. We, we we have we, no highways. We and have nowhere four. to put highways. We have four. Well, we have nowhere to put them. Yeah, and cool. it's re, it's become ridiculous. Anyway. Well, I you know what I tell you what just if you're going to talk about that, I think that we got to look at what Boston did. It cost them too much money, but the big dig was fantastic. The big dig was spectacular in Boston. Well, we'll have that conversation on another day. We'll ask we, Dupont one day. We want to. Well, we just had him on yesterday. I know, but we'll have, we'll, we'll you have should have waiting. thought of that. 24 hours ago. No, the big dig. Wasn't that what the Bruins did uh, buying all those players? That was the big dig. Yeah, six guys you never heard of. <laughs> hey, your pal Nick Felino was in that list. Come on. Okay, now. five guys you haven't heard of. <laughs> uh, oh, look who's on today. Uh, we have the commissioner of the National Hockey League with us. And I suspect not from downtown Manhattan, where they're refurbishing their offices. Renovate. They've moved. They're moving. They're moving. Well, they're not moved yet, but they're moving. They're getting ready. Yeah. yeah. Well, they, Gary yeah. Bettman joins us this time on the Bob McCown podcast featuring John Shannon. And uh, we'll get at it right after this. Uh, and we are back. It's McCown. It's uh, Shannon with the uh, commissioner of the National Hockey League. Gary Bettman is with us. You look beautiful, Mr. Bettman. How are you? Uh, well, I'm not sure I ever look beautiful, but I'm doing fine. Thank you. Uh, this has been a challenging year plus for everybody, but uh, we're hanging in there. And I hope you and your listeners and viewers are doing well as well. By the way, Gary, uh, Bob and I are the only two guys that didn't get good term and good money yesterday. So, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was when you when you're sitting in your office and you're seeing all the emails come through and the central registry reports come through. What, what's going through your mind with all this money and all this term? Well, two things. One, it's clear that uh, our clubs are busy and that they're passionate 
and very competitive and care about winning. And they want to do whatever they can to make their teams better. And two, it strikes me as being a little bit of a frenzy in a very short period of time. And my guess is some caution is thrown to the wind uh, in an effort to get something done, but I respect the process. What I really look for is there's something dramatically different or out of the ordinary. And based on the fact that we're operating with basically a flat cap, we didn't see much of that. There, there was no new ground broken. And I didn't expect to see any because of the limitations that are in place. Just before Bob jumps in, you didn't view the Marc-Andre Fleury trade basically for cap space, the Brent Seabrook deal with Tampa cap space as out of the ordinary? No, because we those are things we've seen over the last few years, particularly uh, in an era where we've got basically a flat cap. Mm -hmm. And so cap space uh, can become as valuable uh, a commodity as almost anything else like draft picks or even some players in a particular case. Look, while we're on the topic of cap space, and I don't want you to get mad at me or anything, but I would never get mad at you. Um, well, it's happened before, but well, that was a long that was a long time ago. <laughs> well, uh, so um, it, it just it is such a curious thing. I don't know whether you can acknowledge this, but you know these this owner these owners um, insisted on a cap, want a cap. They 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 felt they needed that protection level. And then they do everything they possibly can to circumvent all the rules and regulations around that cap. And it just raises the question for me, Mr. Bettman, hey, well, just get rid of the damn cap is, oh, no. you know, self-control no, no. is all you need, you no, know, but, but there, but there in, in professional sports, uh, particularly in our sport where uh, teams owners are extraordinarily passionate and they all want to win and they all think that they're, ready to win the cup when only one team can do it. Uh, the fact of the matter is what we have uh, levels the ice, the playing field, so to speak, uh, gives all of our teams an opportunity to be competitive, which is great for our fans because no matter who you root for at the beginning of a season, with maybe a couple of exceptions, uh, you can believe your team has a chance our races in the regular season go down to the wire for the most part. And once the Stanley Cup playoffs begin, almost anything can happen. And we've seen that a lot. So it, it's not just about uh, limiting uh, a lack of self-control. To the contrary, it creates a framework that makes our game extraordinarily entertaining and competitive. Uh, and and it probably the best competitive balance in all the sports. Well, how have, have have you as a group with the owners discussed the notion of a, of a soft cap of a cap where with punishment for going over such it, as it, exists in baseball and, and the NBA? Yeah. Uh, it, those systems don't hold a lot of interest for us. There's still uh, systems that create disparities. Uh, and frankly, if you have a luxury tax or soft cap, what all it does is, enables there to be a greater divide among teams that that can afford the tax and teams that can't what we have is basically a system that has yes a cap but it also has revenue sharing and i believe uh, and i don't think there's much dispute about it that our competitive balance 
is much better than either baseballs or basketballs. Gary, can you, uh, one of the issues that seemed to raise its head and you, you addressed uh, after the season with the competition committee was the level of officiating and, and I guess the buzzword this week was cross-checking, the, the cross-check issue. Where, where, where are we going to see that next year? The, uh, it's a good question. I'm glad you asked it. it, it officiating always gets uh, scrutinized fairly and unfairly, particularly during the playoffs. Our officials have a really difficult job in terms of recruitment, training, critiquing, coaching, and accountability. I think we're doing more uh, with Stephen Walkham in charge of the officials than ever before. Uh, but they are human, and there's a human element to our game, and mistakes do happen. Uh, but every now and then, to address your question about cross-checking, we see something in the game that it's a trend that we're not liking. For example, I guess it was two, three, four years ago, slashing. Mm -hmm. uh, the skills players uh, were, were getting slashed uh, much too much and much too hard when they were in possession of the puck, and it was resulting in, in plays going badly. Uh, and more importantly, hands and fingers being broken. And so we crack down on slashing. And when we do that, we typically put out a video for the players uh, and, and for the coaches and managers to make sure everybody, on, and the officials, obviously, to make sure everybody understands what the standard is. And with respect to cross-checking, there seems to be a little inconsistency and probably a little much, too much cross-checking, too physical cross-checking, um, and that's something that we'll address for next season. Again, at the start of the season, we'll compile a video uh, so that everybody can be more comfortable with what the Titan standard would be. We went through the general managers, and we unfortunately haven't had a meeting in person in a year and a half, but we had a general managers meeting by Zoom a few weeks ago. And, and in advance, all of the managers were sent videos of 40 instances of cross-checking penalty, no penalty, and on some there was complete agreement, on some there was complete disagreement, and on some it was 50-50. And working with the managers and the officiating department, we think we can improve the standard and, uh, and get a little more consistent in that area. Do you think there's a different standard for the regular season than the playoffs? And we tell the officials, call the standard the way we've been calling it all season. Uh, and they're consistently instructed to do that. The, the, the nature of the game, the style of play, the fact that it's a series and there are adjustments, the fact that there's less time and space, all impact what the game looks like. Uh, and, and I believe that the officials are doing their best to call the standard. But we have eyes and we can see this. And, and we, we've, had a, we've had a couple of discussions, um, if, if not arguments, um, Shannon and I arguments, with others arguments over this very thing, and yeah. and this is not new. No, Gary, this don't. dates to well before you came, uh, and you you've been around for about a hundred years now. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. And the fact that I know that is because I've been around longer than that. That's but, true. But it's ever been thus. Officials put their whistles away when it comes to the playoffs. They only call the obvious. Except, except they don't put their whistles away. The, the number of penalties being called isn't much different than the regular season. I don't have the stat in front of me, but within a, I believe within a, a penalty a game, in either direction, they're calling the same number of penalties. The physicality is greater. And I guess in terms of, if, you know, 
we're, we're trying to not have games decided by marching everybody to the penalty box. And they're trying to manage uh, how the game is called in a way that the game can get played and decided by the players on the ice. But going back to your point, I, I've seen letters that we have in our archives going back to the 30s and 40s where there have been the same complaints about officiating. I acknowledge. And, yeah. and, and, no, I agree. And it's something we, we continue to focus on and work on. Uh, but in the final analysis, it's not the officiating that's deciding these games. It's the players who are deciding it as, as it should be. The Tampa Bay Lightning didn't win back-to-back -back championships because of the officiating. All right, I'll I'll give you that. Um, um you. and we'll and we'll, I think I left you guys speechless for a well, second, which is well, a rare commodity. No, <laughs> no. The truth of the matter is, this is an argument and a discussion that could go on ad nauseum, <laughs> and and we don't have neither the time nor the inclination to 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 do that. It is what it is. Um, what it is. Well, let's get to a couple of other things that are sure. going on. Uh, you um, released a preliminary schedule for next year. There is a window within that schedule that accommodates an appearance at the Olympic Games. Yes. Give us some kind of an update as to where you are in that process. Well, it, it, that's a great question. And if, if for those who haven't read the press release carefully, at the bottom, before you see the schedule, it says this is based on the assumption that we're going to the Olympics because there are still open issues that need to be resolved. Uh, and that's what's being worked on. Most of those issues are focused on the players, uh, things like travel and insurance and, and the like. There is a concern about COVID. Uh, and my own view is we made a commitment in the extension of the collective bargaining agreement a year ago that if everything would be worked out, uh, we would uh, take a break uh, so that the players could go to the Olympics. My own view, and I'm perfectly consistent on this, is I don't think it does us a whole lot of good to take a break in the middle of the season and lose the momentum that we have and have players risk injury. But the players told us that this was important to them. And we said if everything could be worked out, we would go. Uh, you know, in, in, an, in an environment where we don't know what COVID's going to be like, uh, where we've had the last two seasons uh, disrupted in one manner or another, the way we had to finish the 1920 season, uh, the fact that we had to play an abbreviated later season uh, for the recently concluded season, I think it's a mistake to go. But if everything can be worked out, uh, we'll go. If things can't be worked out in the not too distant future, uh, we do have a backup schedule, which moves everything back into the two weeks and puts us on a more time, uh, more normal time frame. We, uh, we're focusing on next season in terms of the schedule itself, whether it's the Olympic schedule or the non-Olympic schedule. We're going to open in relatively middle, early October, and mm -hmm. we're planning a normal season, and that's our hope. I just think under all of the circumstances, it would be better for the league as a whole and the game uh, if we didn't go. But if it can all be worked out, we promised we would, and we'll adhere to that promise. Do you have a drop-dead date of deciding? Well, it, it, it's at some point. Uh, my drop-dead date was actually the end of last May. 
Right. Okay. And because it wasn't worked out and because we know how important it is to the players, we then made or had Steve Hatsopetros, who does our schedule, do the incredible task of trying to do two schedules. Uh, it's, it's coming up. We can't go on indefinitely uh, without knowing for certain whether or not we're going. Uh, it, it's really bad on every account you can imagine, uh, including from, from a fan and business standpoint. As someone who has lived uh, those Olympics, some with you and some without you, um, uh, access is always a big issue that never seems to get resolved. Uh, has anything been resolved there and can it be resolved? Well, I'm hoping it can be resolved. You know, we, the world has changed since we first went to the Olympics in, in Nagano, which was, you know, well over 20 years ago. Uh, but in terms of having a network, both radio and, and linear, mm -hmm. in, in terms of social media, for us to disappear for two weeks in this day and age is, is really a lot to ask of us. Uh, and, you know, we're in discussions with the rights holders as well to, to see that we can be accommodated in using the fact that our players are playing on, in a best-on-best -best tournament because we've been willing to shut down for two weeks and, and, and allow the players to participate. Um, there hasn't been a, a lot of mutuality over the years in terms of what we're allowed to do in terms of what we're providing to the Olympics for their tournament. Uh, you know, uh, on that topic, uh, your partners, the players, do they understand they don't, they shouldn't be going dark for two weeks or do they no, not I, view I, it that I, way? No, you know, Don Fear and I have a very good candid open relationship. In fact, when the phone rang a couple of minutes ago, I noticed it was him calling. Uh, they understand the issues. The union, I think, understands exactly how we feel and why. Uh, but, but the players very much uh, want to represent their countries. And that's something I respect. We, if, if it wasn't important to the players, we wouldn't be having this conversation because we would have made the decision long ago not to go. Frankly, we miss South Korea. And as, as, a, as a sport, as a league, we didn't miss a beat. And mm -hmm. I think we were better off for it. But at the end of the day, uh, we have a very diverse pool of players from all over the world. Uh, and it's important to them to represent their countries. And that's why we agreed if it can be worked out, uh, we will shut down for the required couple of weeks to let it happen. I'm intrigued by the process here. It seems to me that there are, well, it doesn't seem to me, it's clear there are issues that have to be resolved. There are differences of opinion. Um, is, there, is there an ongoing dialogue? Yes. Um, there is. Yeah, so yeah, it, 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 it's really a multi-party dialogue. For, for the most part, uh, other than the punchline, we and the Players Association are focused on the same issue, and we're very uh, supportive of the, of, the, of the goals that need to be achieved that the Players Association is working on. Uh, but it involves the International Olympic Committee. It involves the International Ice Hockey Federation. Um, and, you know, the, the IOC on a number of occasions has suggested that they don't want to pay any particular sport extra just to have its pros there, whether or not they mean it. And that ultimately is the case. We'll see. But certainly it's a major expensive undertaking for the players to go to the Olympics, particularly halfway around the world. 
Uh, and that's certainly not a cost that we're inclined to bear because we're not so sure this is a good idea to begin with, to understate it. Well, what, what, what kind of cost are we talking about here? I mean, we're talking about tens of millions. Are we talking hundreds yeah. of millions? No, tens. Tens, tens. of you millions. Have, you have travel. You have insurance. Uh, there used to be an issue of, of accommodations uh, for players, guests, and families. So, but, you know, in, in the COVID era and watching what's going on at the Tokyo Olympics, mm -hmm. it's quite possible that there might not be spectators and right. that uh, and and that visitors, you know, uh, family, friends, spectators won't be there, uh, which is maybe another reason that maybe this isn't the best platform for us to be exhibiting our games, particularly if the venues are empty. I have been through uh, the conclusion of one season and another season where we were partially without fans. Uh, the game isn't uh, as as energized. Uh, without fans in the building. Our game and our players are getting a tremendous amount of energy from the fans in the building. And you could see that during the playoffs because sure. in buildings that were partially full, you know, Montreal was a good example in the Stanley Cup final. 3,500 people, it sounded like the building was full. That's an essential part of our game. So is this, would you categorize this as a discussion or a negotiation? I'm, I'm really intrigued by where this is at and what the level of conversation actually is. It, 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 I'm not sure it's a negotiation or a discussion. It's somewhere in between. Everybody <laughs> knows what the issues are. And the question is how they get solved. Um, we're not, for example, this isn't a negotiation between us and the Players Association where we Clearly. say, you give us this, we'll yeah. give you that. This is really about is the IIHF and the IOC, are they prepared to do and make the arrangements that are necessary to make this a reality? Because first and foremost, uh, we want to make sure that, that the players uh, and our clubs aren't at risk. There has to be a frustration, Gary, because I, I, I mean, this is Groundhog Day. This yes. is the same conversation you had in Salt Lake City. Yeah, well, this is the same conversation we've had every time. Um, and again, uh, and I know I'm repeating myself, we know this is important to the players yeah. and that's why we go through this process repeatedly. And that's why we ultimately, after uh, missing South Korea, uh, not participating, we were prepared to go back because that's what the players wanted. Uh, you raised the vaccination issue, which is an intriguing one for all sports. Um, you can't mandate that your players get vaccinated or can you? Well, you can in collective bargaining, uh, but again, this is one where we've worked very closely uh, with our medical experts and most importantly with the Players Association. Uh, our players as a group, pretty good. I think based on the most recent surveys, we're going to be somewhere by September in the high 80 to 90% vaccinated. Uh, the league office, for example, I think we're somewhere between 92 and 94% vaccinated. Uh, I think for the most part, our players, our officials, uh, people who work at the league office and the clubs get it uh, and have gotten it. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I, like all the people that have worked on this, particularly Bill Daly and his group in Winnemawissa, who's our chief medical officer, have focused on, on the medicine and the science. And I think if we're going to get through this pandemic, uh, being vaccinated, it's going to be important. And I know there are a lot of people 
throughout the world, particularly in the US and some in Canada that, that don't believe in vaccinations, but we're seeing another spike mm. and it appears from all the data that's out there and everything I'm reading and seeing that, that the spiking is happening largely among unvaccinated people. Uh, you know, this has been a tough year and a half for everybody. And the sooner we can all get through it, the, the more we can get back to normal lives. So based on that, how you talked about the energy that crowds bring the players and the game. How concerned are you that you won't be having full arenas by October? Well, based on, on the way we concluded the season and how we've been planning, uh, we, we think fans will be welcome back in our buildings. Having said that, and, and we've been very clear about this, what ultimately happens is not within our control. It's subject to, to local jurisdictions and, and where the pandemic is uh, in particular places. Uh, our hope and expectation and planning has been business back to normal, the game back to normal. Uh, but obviously what happens over the next few months is going to yeah. tell us a little bit more. And as we did for the conclusion of 1920 and for last season, uh, we will do whatever we need to do. We will be flexible. We'll be agile. We'll make sure we have complete optionality to do what's necessary and appropriate to first and foremost, keep our players or other personnel in the communities in which we play safe um, and we'll do the best we can using that as our starting point. Yeah, the border for you to come to Canada opens on the 9th of August. Yes. Do you, do you, do you have a, an approximate date of the other way? No, I, you know, that that's not something I have any control over. Uh, and, and frankly, in terms of the conference final uh, and the Stanley Cup final, the cooperation that we got from the Canadian government at the federal and provincial level was great. Uh, we, the, they were, wanted to be assured that our protocols uh, were being uh, properly set up and adhered to, uh, but we got great cooperation and without which, you know, we would have had to do something different, uh, but we were grateful. And, and in fact, Yes, we were grateful, but we did everything we promised we would do, right. which is why we weren't the cause of any outbreaks, uh, which was as important to the government as it was to us. Is it unrealistic of me to even suggest that a league might take the position of only admitting people into the building or the arena or the stadium, for that matter, who have been vaccinated? Is that an unrealistic <laughs> perspective? That, that would happen more because it's a government mandate. And, and government mandates are all over the place. There are certain states in the United States where you're not allowed to ask for proof of vaccination, mm. okay? And there are other places that say you can't go to large events unless you are vaccinated and prove it. Again, these are things that we have to deal with and react to. Best example is when the, when the border between Canada and the U.S. was sealed, we had a real line because we couldn't get teams back and forth. Understood. That's why I say the things that, that have to, the things that are put in place because of what's happening with the pandemic, but the things that are put in place by governments, either federally or locally, we have no control over. We have to react to and deal with, which is why, for example, we had to do the realignment for the Canadian division. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, a bunch of other things to discuss. We'll take a quick break and come back with more. Gary Bettman, the commissioner of the National Hockey League, is with us back after these messages. It's McCowan, it's Shannon, and Gary Bettman is uh, with us. He needs no introduction. He's the commissioner of the National Hockey League, uh, joining us from his summer place in um, the Northeast. Hey, Gary, um, one of the things that I thought was uh, a positive out of uh, uh, the the pandemic season uh, was the taxi squad, Uh, the access to players easily. Uh, Do you have any, whether, has there any, any discussion with the players association or with the teams of a, of a desire to maintain a taxi squad? I, I, no, because I think at the end of the day, um, those on the taxi squad, not all, but most would be better off playing a normal schedule in the AHL or whatever other league they might be involved in. And so, you know, it, it, it was what we needed to do under the circumstances, mm-hmm. but I, I don't think it makes sense. For, for the longer haul. One of the things that um, happened recently with which you are, I'm sure, um, aware is the Cleveland Indians have decided to change their nickname. They are going to become the Guardians. And um, I assume you have no issue with um, um, franchises making that decision. There are plenty of others who have not yet made that decision, whose nicknames... Um, uh, reflect in some way, shape, or form um, Native North Americans. Uh, the Chicago Blackhawks are certainly the most prominent of uh, your franchises. Do you stick your nose in that, or is that is that a league issue in your mind, or is that a Blackhawk issue and uh, a Chicago Blackhawks issue? Uh, where does that stand? It, it is, uh, first and foremost, a franchise issue, uh, but you know, on, on issues that are perceived to be important, I'll stick my nose in and render advice as appropriate and as requested. Uh, I think painting certain issues with too broad a brush doesn't do them justice. Uh, you know, the, if you go into the history of the Blackhawks name, it, it was by, uh, I think it was Colonel McLaughlin, mm-hmm. uh, whose battalion in World War One, uh, fighting battalion was the Blackhawks. Right. There are Blackhawk was intended to be an honorary designation uh, in memory of somebody who was a chief. Uh, if I have the history right, and there are a number of towns and cities throughout North America with that name. I think it, it's not a generic name, and if you look at the context. And the fact that my understanding is the, the Blackhawks organization has a very good relationship uh, with the appropriate uh, indigenous tribes, that this hasn't been the same issue it has been for other franchises. Uh, and the logo is one that people admire and respect. So I'm not sure the equation in focusing on it from a Chicago Blackhawks standpoint is necessarily the same as others but again this is first and foremost a franchise issue yeah and i mean i i've taken the position for a long time i'm intrigued by yours um that um a bunch of white guys sitting around and deciding um the whether a, a nickname is offensive or not is a, a ridiculous exercise 
um, let us hear from those who might be offended and uh, and then make a decision accordingly. Uh, do you concur with that assessment? Yeah, well, and, and in fact, the to the extent people are taking offense, I, I haven't seen it to the Blackhawks to the extent that has been for other teams and other sports. And that's why I said at the beginning, it's tough to paint these issues with a broad brush. Speaking of uh, teams, uh, you are two for two. Uh, Vegas Golden Knights <laughs> and Seattle Kraken. Uh, your two expansion teams in the last four years have been, well, quote unquote, gold mines. They have, they have been better, I think, than anybody anticipated. How, how has that happened? Well, they weren't better than everybody anticipated. <laughs> uh, we, 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 we thought uh, these franchises, we, 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 when you do expansion, you look at, I mean, some way we do it, some look at it, just take the money and run. Um, we've always looked at it, or you have to start with a market that you believe can support uh, NHL hockey, uh, that there's a suitable arena facility, uh, and that you've got terrific ownership committed to the game, committed to the market, and doing it needed to be done. Uh, and then if you have those three elements in place, you then look at would having a team in this place make the league stronger. Uh, and if you look at both Seattle and Vegas, all the boxes are checked. Now, it's, it's ironic to me on Vegas because at the time we did it, um, the commentary from all quarters was less than uh, favorable to say the least. In fact, mm -hmm. some people thought we'd lost our minds. Uh, and then the Golden Knights start up they become an integral and essential part of the community virtually from day one. Bill Foley and the organization he assembled did an unbelievable job both on and off the ice. Uh, and then everybody else, NFL next, saying, oh, Vegas looks great. We should go there. And everybody starts talking about it. Uh, we knew, I knew from day one, this was going to work because we understood Vegas for a number of years. We had been in touch with them, they with us. Uh, and the issue had always been an arena. It, it's a market of two and a half million people, give or take, one of the largest markets up until we got there in the US that didn't have a professional franchise. Uh, and they've done everything right. Seattle, uh, same quotient. They, they needed an arena uh, and the old key arena, which is now the climate pledge arena, which has undergone a substantial change uh, and is going to be one of the great arenas uh, in the world. Great ownership uh, under, under David Bonderman. Todd Lewicki's done a great job. Uh, and they just had a terrific expansion draft. The community has fallen in love. I mean, the response has been unbelievable. I think they have like 32,000 season ticket holders on split packages mm -hmm. because there were so many requests that they didn't give any, most people a full package. And I think there are another 20 or 30,000 people on a waiting list. Great natural rivalry uh, in the Pacific Northwest for the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, and this franchise is off to going to be off to an incredible start as well. And so you expand because it's going to be good, but also, you know, the history of expansion in all sports 
is you don't give the team a very competitive uh, playing element to start. Um, we were guilty of that and all the other sports are doing. And then a team spends five or 10 years trying to build itself up because, and this goes back to Bob's earlier questions about uh, our current collective bargaining system. We have a league where everybody could be competitive. Why would we bring in somebody, some team that couldn't be competitive? And that's why the expansion rules were created the way they were to ensure that a team, a new expansion team could be competitive from day one. Uh, Vegas took that to a new level and, and good for them. Uh, but, you know, that helps engender fan interest, not just in those markets, but everywhere, because you've got another worthy competitor coming into your building, no matter who you root for. How many calls on expansion have you had since? <laughs> uh, we get calls all the time. I, I think, I think we're at 32 for as far out as I can see. Yeah. Uh, we, the good news for us is we had enough playing talent. And when I was looking, when I was referring to the factors, that wasn't an issue. We, 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 we know that there was enough talent for another two teams. Uh, and, you know, but I think it, it, as far as, as I said, as I can see, um, we're not focusing on expanding anymore at this time. Well, and I was going to put it slightly differently. I would say you're at 32 now, which is not just the max number based on the other leagues, but it's also, it's a number that, that creates balance. Yeah, within does, your schedule you, and everything else. Yeah, I mean, but you know what? You, 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 don't, you don't expand for, for symmetrical reasons. You expand because you think it makes sense and is good for the league and good for the game and makes it all stronger. And that's what these two expansions have done mm -hmm. or will do in the case of Seattle, but is doing already. Well, well I'm, I'm very big on neatness and 32. <laughs> <nice neat number. laughs> that means you're OCD. So, oh, I acknowledge. Um, so, uh, uh, I, 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 I suggest you stay at 32 for the longest possible time because the next number that makes sense to me is 36. And that's four more teams, and I don't know how you're going to do that, John. With with all the positive news around Gary, I'm sorry we have to ask some bad ones too. Um, Logan Mayu was drafted by the Montreal Canadiens on Friday um, yeah. after requesting not to be drafted yeah. uh, with some issues that he had in time his time in Sweden. Um, when you heard the name on Friday or saw the name on Friday, what was your reaction and, and how do you address it? Uh, I, I was shocked to say the least, uh, particularly because the player in question had requested not to be drafted. Uh, what he did uh, was horrible and inexcusable. And as a uh, father and grandfather of daughters and granddaughters, I was appalled. Uh, I, I think it's clear that the Canadians have now acknowledged that they've made a mistake. Uh, and so the question is how you go forward. There's no mechanism for a player to take himself out of the draft. Should there be? Uh, uh, I don't know if that's a matter of collective bargaining, but there isn't. Mm -hmm. And so there isn't that. Uh, and what the Canadians have said is they're not ready to sign him. He's not going to training camp. He's not going to rookie camp. They're going to evaluate his process as they try to move forward uh, and to see what makes sense for them and him in the future. From a league standpoint, uh, if and when uh, they think it may be an appropriate time to come into the league, then we'll take a look at it from our standpoint to see whether or not we agree with that assessment. So, so you, 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 you just to, 
Can I finish? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. That's okay. And so this is something that we will assess at the appropriate time and evaluate based on everything that's transpired both then and subsequent. So just for clarity, then you could decide whether he is worthy of being a National Hockey League player? We, 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 we've, we've suspended players from the game who have engaged in conduct that's inappropriate. Uh, depends on the conduct, the proximity mm -hmm. of it. You have to take into account all the circumstances, but we are very focused on this. Uh, and, and I agree with the Canadian assessment. I think Jeff Molson, uh, in apologizing to, to the world, especially the Canadians fan base, said they, they made a mistake. Uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't argue with that assessment. And then we'll have to figure out how it's appropriate to go forward. And that's going to require evaluations at the appropriate time. Yeah, I, and I can't disagree with, um, I mean, I disagree with Montreal Canadiens drafting the kid. I can't disagree with their reassessment or yours. I've, I've uh, never seen a jaw drop more than everybody's jaw drop on Friday. Well, you've got to remember, I was conducting the draft. Yeah. And I, I, I saw it come up on the screen that I used to see when the picks, I, I, was, I was stunned. Maybe you should have called a timeout. Everybody else seemed to. Yeah, well... I guess the only thing here, and I don't want to make much of this, but I think the kid was 17 years old, give or take, when this incident happened. Um, I don't know if there have been any others. Um, we live in a society where um, we acknowledge a lot, you know, we look at a lot of things uh, when we make evaluations of, of people and their actions. And maybe at some point in time, this kid can show us that he did just make a mistake that he understands how serious the mistake was and can govern himself in a more reasonable manner, but. Maybe, but, maybe not, but you know what? And, and the three of us in this conversation uh, haven't yet said, so I'll do it. Well, let's start first and foremost with the victim and the victim's family. Here, here. Okay. And, and, that and that's why I said before, as as a father of two daughters and the grandfather of four granddaughters, this was horrific, and I'm sure it has had a hit, an impact on all of their lives. And you know that's part of the evaluation, reevaluation. Yes, oh, yeah. how the player responds and how he conducts himself, and whether you know he can somehow make amends, or as I think Jeff Molson said make this good at some point in some way right that's what has to be taken into account yeah okay we can take into account that he was 17 at the time and well the reports on him were this was out of character so i'm told but at the end of the day the, there's also a victim here and let's not lose sight of that uh, and the latest the latest uh, in chicago on the yeah. uh, investigation well as as i think you and everybody else knows uh, there have been allegations made, which, which are serious. Uh, they've been made anonymously and they're 10 years old, which doesn't change the fact that they're serious uh, and that there's an independent investigation ongoing to try and get a handle on exactly what happened. And once we have a better understanding of that, uh, the Blackhawks and we will decide what would be the appropriate response. I, I, what involvement does the league office have with the investigation? What we're doing is we're monitoring the fact that it's an independent investigation and okay. that it's moving along 
and progressing. If, if at any point in time we weren't satisfied, we might do our own, but I don't want to interfere with what's going on now because there's a reputable firm with a reputable former prosecutor leading the investigation who had no ties to the league or to the franchise uh, and is doing what needs to be done on the investigation. Uh, and we will await the results and then decide what's next from us, either procedurally or substantively, once we have a better understanding. My guess is you can't answer this question, but have they given you any kind of time frame? Um, uh, they're moving quickly. I mean, something when you're doing an investigation, you may think you're close to the end, and then and you then find some information. And but but I get it. I we're checking in regularly to make sure that it's progressing, and it is progressing. And that goes to timetable. I have no idea from a substantive standpoint what they're finding or not finding, and I don't want to know until the investigation's over. Is, is it imperative it's done before the season starts? Well, it's it's imperative that it's done right. Okay. And, you know, some when sometimes it's it's it, it's it's important sometimes to be quick and responsive, but again, the, not to minimize it, it's 10 years old. Let's get it right. Mm -hmm. And then we'll deal with it. Okay. Um, we hope you're enjoying, I, I assume you're sort of on vacation. Um, no, you're up I'm at never, the vacation I'm never house. on vacation. <laughs> I'm just in different places. I'm, I'm looking out the window and it is pouring. Yeah. So there's nothing I would be doing outside. Uh, it's nice to periodically have a change of scenery uh, since we've all been in our homes over the last year and a half, probably more than we had been in the last 10 years. Uh, but no I'm kidding. not complaining about anything. I hear you. Uh, we'll do all the complaining and we'll do some on your behalf if you need need to. And um, <laughs> Very kind. We, we can make up for you, Gary. <laughs> well, I, I'm, sure, I'm sure you can. Listen, at the end of the day, the most important thing is that people are safe and that they're healthy. Uh, and, and this has been an ordeal COVID pandemic for everybody. Uh, and nobody's been immune from it. And, and we don't take that for granted. Uh, let's get them, let's get them all vaccinated. That's uh, the, first, the yeah. first point. Hey, do you see the St. Louis, the St. Louis blues offered today? It's coolest thing. Uh, you, you go, go to the, uh, their arena and, uh, you can get, you get vaccinated. You get two, two tickets to a preseason game. I think that's, I think that's great. Particularly because. I think the infection rate was going up and the yeah, vaccination exactly. rate wasn't keeping up with it in Missouri. So, I mean, lots of clubs and our clubs have, have opened their arenas, many of them to be vaccination sites and have offered incentives. Uh, you know, it, it's, uh, we gotta get through this. I mean, yeah. it's the, the thought of, of continuing this way is depressing as much as anything as you as, bet it is. as much as it is frightening for those who unfortunately get ill we will let you go and enjoy a rainy afternoon in uh, in, in uh, vermont and um, we will will bug you somewhere down the road you're always generous with your time and we appreciate it i always look forward to being with both of you thank you thank you mr bettman the commissioner of the national hockey league gary bettman will conclude after these messages And we are back, um, as always, our thanks to Gary Bettman, National Hockey League Commissioner. You know, I, you know, I, I actually, Bob, after all these years, yes, I sir. think he likes you. Well, I like him, too. No, no, that's not the point. There were a lot of years he didn't like you. Oh, there were a lot of years I didn't like him. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, uh... it was a curious situation, John. It, it stemmed from one day. Yeah. And I think he had a bad day. Oh, and of course, your, your day was going well, too. So 
No, I was doing fine. Yeah. Okay. I just didn't want to, I, you know, I, I chose not to babysit him while yeah. he was waiting for his in-studio appearance. And he got yeah. mad at me and then Brunt started hammering questions at him that he didn't like. Yeah. That I can't even remember the nature of. And uh, I paid the price. So you were, on the, you were in fun. the black book for a while. Yeah. Here, here's the one thing I would tell you. is So uh, I've known Gary since he uh, joined the NHL in 1993. Uh, in the last decade, there is a, gargantuan change in his demeanor much more easygoing i think there's a, a real belief in that he's finally got this league to a certain point and there's a confidence and uh, all the insecurities are gone i think he's a much happier person these days and i i, I think it reflects on how he deals um, in public appearances. I, I really do. It's, uh, it's, and if you, if you're lucky enough to ever get to New York and sit down with them, it is much more convivial, uh, and less formal than it ever was say 15 years ago. It's, it's truly a, a, a really positive transformation. Well, he used to be quite con He was looking for confrontation in, in, in interviews and conversations. He yeah. suspect that you were trying to get to attack him or the league or say negative things or whatever. Yeah. Now he seems to be much more interested in just having a conversation about the way things. Well, I, and I also think that th there, there was a time in the topics that we, we even talked about today. Yeah. I mean, that he would have said, no, oh, we don't have a problem there or we don't have a problem here or, you know, just wait and see with the Olympic schedule where the, you, you got the perception and I, I say perception and I'm and not despairingly, but uh, uh, of transparency. Of a, hey, listen, here are the issues. Here's what we're dealing with. You know, just the fact that he admits that he doesn't want to go, but he's promised the players he'll do his best is something that I don't think we would have heard 10 years ago. Oh, I think you're 100% right. He's taken a, a, a bit of a, he's softened, for lack of a better word. Something that I have no knowledge of. True. Uh, that being the case, we will bid everybody a fond to do and uh, have yourselves a swell weekend. You too, Mr. Shannon. And uh, Thank you. we'll reconvene on Monday. Mm. At the usual time and the usual place. Even though it is a holiday in most of Canada, we're going to reconvene and because everybody still likes to listen to their podcast. Why aren't we taking a holiday? We cannot afford to. Excellent point. John has succinctly and accurately answered the question. As we are in need of pecuniary resources, <laughs> we shall be conducting ourselves as if the holiday did not exist. We'll see you Monday. Have a nice weekend, everybody.